Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. All right. When David dedicated the temple, he wrote this psalm in Psalms 30. He said, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast made, have not made my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Anybody ever been healed by the Lord? You betcha. As sing unto the Lord, O you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Then he went on to say, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Put that on the board. I'd like to say that one more time. To the end that my glory may sing praise unto thee. Say glory. Everybody knows what your glory is, right? You know what your glory is? It's your tongue connected to your heart. That's your glory. Go back to the original Hebrew on that. Unto the end that my glory will sing praise unto you. Did you know that your tongue was that long? <laughs> I don't know where it starts, I guess, down here. Now think about that. When David made references to his glory, he was talking about his heart in conjunction with or connected to his tongue. And the Bible says that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So what's coming out of your mouth is what is in the abundance of your heart. Aren't you glad that your tongue can sing forth the wonderful works of Jesus our Redeemer? Say amen to that. One songwriter put it this way, I will sing of my Redeemer of his wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross he suffered, from the curse he set me free. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon. He paid the debt and he set me and made me free. Hallelujah. He who the sun sets free shall be free indeed. I'm thankful for that. Well, David knew the importance of having a clean heart. Psalm 51.10, he said, Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit with me. I talk to the Lord a lot like that. Solomon knew the importance of having a clean heart. He said, Keep my heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. David said in Psalms 9, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy wondrous works. Psalm 16, he said, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory, again, rejoiceth. My flesh shall also rest in hope. This is my favorite, Psalms 19, 14. This is my scripture. Uh, and uh, it's actually, my dad was born in 1914. Uh, this is Psalms 19:14, and it says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalms 27, David said, Thou said, Seek my face. And I said to thee, O Lord, Thy face I will seek. I said that with all my heart. Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoice and my, with my tongue I will sing praise unto him. Hallelujah. Go ahead, wiggle your tongue a little bit. 
Ah, that's good. Everybody just lick the inside of your face mask. That's great. Psalms 57 says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. Therefore, I sing praises unto you. And Psalm 119, 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Solomon said in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall. Amen to that. Now, Jesus tops it all off in Luke 6, 45, and he says this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we're studying in the uh, book of James. We're going through the book of James. And uh, I want to go to James chapter 3 with you. And appears in, in James, it appears in James, like your tongue is a monster. Huh? An unruly tongue. Who can tame it? It appears in James that he's saying your tongue is a monster. And it gets a bad rap. But you were want to be very careful here in studying chapter 3 of James because James does not leave you hanging saying that your tongue is a monster, making you think I'd be better off without my tongue. Thinking that the devil can take your tongue and make you a big mouth loser. You want to be careful when you read James that you don't think that's what James is saying. James goes on and he says, and the whole Bible agrees with James on this, Christians rightly dividing the word of truth are always winners. Christians rightly dividing the word of truth are always winners. Well, don't shout me down. Did you ever feel like you weren't a winner? Isn't it interesting how the cares of this life, the surfeiting things of this life can weigh you down and sometimes make you think that you're not more than a conqueror through him? Devil's a liar. James starts out and he says, the tongue, when it is enjoined with a heart that is open only to the wisdom of this world. Let me say it again. Think about this. He starts out and says, the tongue, when it is enjoined with a heart that is open only to the wisdom of the world allows bitterness to be in the heart, envy, strife to be part of our daily life. And that tongue is a messed up member of the body. James is saying, don't be envious. Don't be bitter. Don't cause trouble. Don't be a person of strife. Because a person who entertains those things in their heart and won't lay them on the altar and get rid of them, there's no place for bitterness in the kingdom. There's no place for troublemakers in the kingdom of God. Hello. 
There's no place for people who can't get along with other people in the kingdom of God. There's no place for strife because that is how the world operates. So let's go to James chapter 3 and let's read it. Now, my brethren, James says, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Well, I've been preaching a number of years, and I'm accountable to God for every sermon I've ever preached and every Bible lesson I've ever taught. It says, don't, be not many masters. Don't desire your head off to get up here and do what I'm doing because I'm going to go through a greater condemnation. I'm going to go through almost 60 years of preaching and teaching, and I'm going to have to give an account for what I said. And he goes on and he says, so don't be too quick to want that job. Well, you're not off the hook either. Because the Bible says your teachers, you're supposed to train up a child the way he should go. Did you know you're going to be on the hook for how you trained your kids? Just a thought. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. This is his base for chapter 3 of James. Let me say it again because he's getting ready to say the tongue is untamable. But it says, if any man offends not in word, be careful what you say. Be careful how you say it. Be careful even what fingers you use when you talk. Just a thought. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. Hmm. I'd say that's something to be achieved. I'd say that's something I want to be part of. And that person is able to bridle his whole body. That goes on and connotates that if we don't control our words, the chances of our body and the rest of us messing up big time is pretty good. Amen? Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, and they obey, and we turn around their whole body. Behold, the ships, which they are great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, wherever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defiles the whole body. See, I told you, didn't I? The devil can make you well think you're better off without a tongue. If it's a fire, if it's a world of iniquity, 
sows the tongue among our members, it defiles the whole body, sets on fire the course of nature, and is a set on fire of hell. Every beast, every bird, every serpent, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison to which I wrote in the scriptures and I said, yikes. Verse 9, he says, so we bless God. Hallelujah. We bless the Father. Father, I adore you. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. And with that same tongue, we curse men which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter water? I'm not going to say it, Allison. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. Who is wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who is a wise person? Who has great knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. And so here's the mess up. Bible said that our tongue is an unruly member. It's evil. Here's the mess up. Here's the issue you and I have to deal with. It's this. This is not the devil firing up your tongue from hell. If out of your mouth comes praise and cursings, it's your fault the cursings are coming out. If you can talk to the Heavenly Father like he's the cat's meow and talk to somebody at work like they're a hind end, that's that thing back there. That's your fault. If you can't control your mouth at work, if you can't control your mouth if you're uh, with a spouse or someone, if you're a big flabber mouth, it's not the devil's fault. It's your fault. You, hey, somebody say Amen. About to get thrown out here. I've only worked here 25 years. The devil didn't make you do it. It's you not willing to let go of the mental trappings that Satan wants you to hang on to and stumble over. And so in verse number 14, he says, if you have bitter envying and strife, troublemaking in your heart, Glory not and lie not against the truth. And I've added this. Deal with it. Get over it. Stop it. <laughs> and aren't you glad there's a Chiefs game today? I feel like I'm home up here throwing a ball somebody right in the face. Somebody's getting it hard. I don't know who it is. Probably all 27 of us. If you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, don't go around shouting hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, don't lie against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, it's earthly. 
it's sensual, and it's devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every work. And then he goes on in verse number 17. Now, let's go back to how he started all this nonsense that's getting me in trouble. He said in verse 2, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. He's starting out on a good foot. And then he goes on in verse number 17. You want to be like that? Let me show you how you can do it. The wisdom that is from above this is how you function in your heart. And if you function like this in your heart, your mouth will start praising instead of cursing. Your, your mouth will start encouraging instead of damning. Your mouth will not be a gossip. Your your mouth, you'll keep your mouth off of other people. Right? If you acquire the wisdom that is from above, as you, as you seek wisdom, he'll teach you how to be like Christ. Christ didn't offend in word. He's perfect. And you can be like that too. But first of all, you have to acquire the biblical concepts of what creates peace. That is pure, purity, peaceableness, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, partial, without partiality, without hypocrisy, eight things. I'm going to talk to you about those this morning. So out of the 18 verses in chapter 3, 13 of these verses are warnings from James that keep your heart clean, wash your mental heart with the word of God. Do not let envy, strife, bitterness control your heart because if you do, you will have total confusion and every evil work will control you and your tongue gives your muddled up, dirtied up, confused heart, an open window so everybody can see what's inside of you just by listening to you talk. Woo! Through your unable to control tongue, spewing out bitterness rather than praise coming from a grateful heart. James wrote this to the new converts. Because there's something happened when people first come to Jesus. They come into church and they sign up for salvation. They get all pumped about it. Some of them lay the past in a pile back there and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Others drag the old crap right in with them. Still bitter, still resentful, still hanging out in the same places still running around with the same people, still doing the same habits. That's a person who's really just seeking religion. But a person who's seeking a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Almighty Father comes out from the world and be separated, saith the Lord, and they start working on their trashy mouth. They stop going to the places where they used to go, and they don't run with the crowd that used to be controlling them. Hello, church. And so James wrote the book of James to all those new people coming in and said, let the old 
past be gone and become a new creature and start living like a child of God working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hallelujah. But he didn't just talk to the new converts. He talked to those that were of the diaspora. Those were the people that, the Jews, that when they started crucifying people and starting uh, uh, turning uh, apostles upside down and crucifying them and martyring them all things, and they, they dispersed all over the country because if you were a Christian Jew at that time, you were likely to be persecuted by the, the Saul of Tarsus would probably throw you in jail or whatever. And so they begin to scatter. And so what that represents is this, is that in, in the 21st century, it represents this, people that have trials and tribulations and problems and waller in it, and waller in it, and waller in it, and waller some more. <laughs> I'm smart enough to know there's some trouble and tribulation going on in some of your lives. If you listen to the news, you're going to be troubled. If you listen to this junky politics things, you're going to be troubled. And you're going to think that this whole world is no good anymore. That nobody is good. Everything's evil, 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 evil. And the Apostle Paul is saying, don't bring that into your Christian life. Quit grumble bumbling and acting like the devil's in charge. Hello. Get bitterness against politicians and get bitterness against the media and get bitterness against the government and get bitterness against your neighbors for his dog doing his number on your grass. Hello. Get bitterness out of your heart because out of the same mouth should not come praise and bitterness. Because if bitterness is all that's governing you, then you are like a tongue, hello, uh, that's set on fire from hell, not like a child of God who's been redeemed and washed in the blood, but with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Come out from that world and be separated. Start praising the Lord in everything that you say and do. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's what James is talking about. Quit acting like a spoiled, rotten kid who don't know what ends up. Where does it come from? It comes from a heart that refuses to be cleansed. You want to live that way? Don't ever post me some kind of this political junk on my Facebook and say, if you like it, send it on. I wish you'd quit that because it's making me think about canceling Facebook. Hello. I call this the reason James wrote the book, James chapter 3. And James says, a heart that is full of God's wisdom 
whose tongue is an awesome member of the body, exposing you as a perfect Christian. Jesus said, be perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. James says, is coming out by filling your heart with the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of this world. Hmm. James declares it to be a very simple process. He says this, James 3 and verse 2, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle his whole body, but you can't trick anybody because he just before that he said that Tame, the, the tongue is an unruly, untamable member. He's going to expose what's in your heart. So if you're griping and humping around, acting like a, a Missouri mule eating notes out of a stovepipe, Allison, hello, and everything is going to hell in a handbasket, and I brought bitterness in, and I hate that one. I don't know why I've been screwed over, tattooed, and I got the T-shirt, and bless God, that's the way life is, and I'm just going to live that way till they put me in one of those boxes made out of ticky-tacky that all look the same. Maybe you're serving the wrong God. Just a thought. So, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. In 1826, Athelim Brillet said, we are what we eat. So, he rolled that phrase over. Discussions about how a cow chews the cud. We are what we eat. And so, when you eat stuff, you are what you eat. You're supposed to chew 32 times per bite. When you only got six teeth, I wonder how much work those teeth are doing. Steak, chew it 40 times. Watermelon, 15 to 20. But chew it up. And just like our bodies are nourished by what we eat, either balanced food, chewed up properly, or junk food, the heart receives nourishment by what it is fed. And we feed our hearts through our eye gate and through our ear gate. That's really my sermon for today. Propaganda is a major influence into your spiritual life. Yeah, it is. So, non-spiritual overall health or spiritual overall health depends on what you look at, what you listen to, what you allow to come into your heart. You can't look at it and not get it into your heart. You can't listen to it and not get it into your heart. It comes in through your eye gate and through your ear gate. Whatever you listen to is who you are on the inside. And who you are on the inside will come out through your mouth. You can't trick anybody, especially God. And so, Jesus, in a sense, used the but you are to eat reference when he said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be full. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I call it heart healthy. And so, in James 3, chapter 17, give me some help back there, Ryan. James 3, 17 
I've written down eight things that if you'll practice them, your heart will begin to change. Your tongue will begin to prove it. And you can take on a, being a perfect man as God says you really are. Okay? Here we go. Eight things. I'm going to go through them quickly. Number one, purity. Eight things. Verse 17 says, you got to be pure. What you look at has got to be pure stuff. What you listen to has got to be pure. Did you know every time you listen to some of that trash, it's a lie? Where do you think lies come from? The father of lies, which is Satan, right? Bingo. What are you going to look at? What are you going to hear? You want to be a perfect man? You want your tongue to be able to bless God and he'll listen to you? Bless others? You want to be a light? You want to be a city set on a hill? You want to be salt of the earth? In purity. Practice purity when you go through troubles. I'm not going to moan and groan and whine and grind. And don't bring troubles of before you come to Jesus in. Drop it. Get over it. Number two. Peaceful. Got to be peaceful. Need peace at all times. That means when you're hot riding down the road, you got to back off a little. Be peaceful. Next, so do I. Gentle. Oh, gentle man. Mm. He got a gentle bone in his body. Well, just love his fat, not his bones. What's next? Easy to be entreated. I'm easy to be entreated. Nancy's easy to be entreated. Scares me sometimes. I don't dare mention something that I'd like to have or something I'd like to do because she'll make it happen. Scares me. If you're easy to be entreated, you're not a procrastinator. I've got some friends and I say, hey, would you help me with that? Yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. And then I've got other friends who are easily to be entreated. Around this church, I can't even, I, if I say, hey, guess what? We need this. I bought a mirror for my office from Annie's over here, the closing out business. And I said to one of our prisoners, if you get time, hang that. I went home to get a cup of coffee, come back, drink coffee on the road. The mirror was already hung. That dude's easy to be entreated. I'm easy to be entreated. So all we call him interruptions. Oh yeah, I'm an Uber. I Uber grandkids, I Uber kids, I Uber this, I pay for that, I do this, I do, because I'm easy to be entreated. Used to say in a church I used to pastor, hey, call pastor if you got a flat tire, he'll come fix it for you. Yeah, that's the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to be somebody that nobody wants to call and ask to do anything because they know I'm not going to show up. <laughs> come on, lighten up. We're going to see the Chiefs game. What's next? Merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Come on, Nancy, for they shall receive mercy. Woohoo! Mercy rewrote my life. I'm going to read out. I'm going to be merciful to other people too. Here we go. Good fruits. 
produce good things. Next one. Don't be partial. I like this one. I don't like that one. And without hypocrisy is the last one. And that's all. I'm not going to preach on one. I just take you home, let you take them home and uh, study them out. Jesus said, if you do these eight things, your heart will begin to change and your mouth will speak differently and you become a perfect person that God wants you to be. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come boldly before the throne of grace asking for help time of need and a time of trouble. Be with us today, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. Thank you for the presence of the Lord. If there's the one here today that is following afar off, they've come today because they want to follow closely to you, Lord. Help them grow. There may be those today that's never known you as their personal Savior. May this be their day to say, yes, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you are Jesus, the Son of God. You gave your life for me. Forgive me my sins, and I choose to follow you the rest of my life. Lord, I pray for those people today. And I pray for those that are struggling with, really, all the things of, that are going on in the land today. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will be failing them for fear, for looking after those things that are coming. Lord, we don't want to be looking fearfully into the future. We want to be looking for the coming of Jesus. We want to be looking for the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ rising first and those that are remaining be caught up together. Lord, that's the kind of person we want to be. Our focus is up, not down. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Bless this congregation of believers now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.